You've selected a show from the Podcast Jukebox, a DIY podcast network. Hey there, everybody. Sorry again for the late episode, but as you all know, life is kind of crazy right now, and the concept of time is meaningless, but that isn't an excuse for uh, such a delay with this particular episode. So thank you guys so, so much for your patience. And as always, this episode of No Love Lost is brought to you by fredhebakes.com. That's right, fredhebakes.com. Guys, it's a stressful time to just be in the world right now. So why not treat yourself to some delicious baked goods? Self-care is really, really important. It's important that you take care of yourself physically, mentally, and emotionally, and sometimes the thing to hit the spot really is just a delicious baked good. So head on over to fredhebakes.com and use the coupon code NOLOVELOST to get 20% off of your order. And if you're looking for other ways to support the podcast, head on over to the Podcast Jukebox Network and get yourself some No Love Lost merchandise, like No Love Lost t-shirts and Crazy About Kurt t-shirts. Guys, we hope that... You guys are well. We hope that you're in good health and good spirits. And we want you all to know that we love you. And that we hope that uh, this episode can bring a little bit of joy into your day. So thank you guys so, so much for all you do. And uh, yeah, we love you. Thanks again. On that note, Michelle, if you would be so kind. Let's go to the island I would like to see the polar bears There was a crash And there are others And there are numbers And it all means something supposedly But even though there are times we hang our heads in sadness We know there's no love lost We had. I don't know, back. Will. It sounds like you're getting re- like that. Sounds like the setup to throw me under the bus or in front of the bus. I'm not really sure. <laughs> Touche, Megan. Uh, welcome back to No Love Lost, the podcast where we break down everyone's favorite uh, <laughs> series, Lost. I'm. Will Lincoln with me as always. Megan Salinas. Hey, everybody. And we are breaking down season three, episode seven, not in Portland. <laughs> um, I'm not saying we're not in Portland, although we are not in Portland. We are definitely not in Portland. We're also not in the same room, and I'm looking forward to the day where we can record together again. I don't care for this. <laughs> method of recording <laughs> i i like i like being around my friend megan i like that there are less things to worry about from an audio point i <laughs> true story i like uh being together to discuss loss but and i like drinking will's liquor that's, so one day we'll be back. <laughs> that's true. That's true. I got a lot of whiskey. You Next time you walk in my apartment, there'll be a whiskey waiting for you. Aw, thank you. Um, This episode is written by our good friend Carlton Coos, but not Damon Lindelof. It's usually Coos and Lindelof. 
It's called. They're normally a team. What happened? Well, in this episode, Coos was a team with Jeff Pinker, and uh, the episode is by Stephen Williams, who. Uh, I have never done the full tally, but it seems behind Jack Bender seems to have directed the most episodes. Yeah, he's a name that keeps popping up. Um, and I was very excited. Much like I was when this episode first aired, because it was the first episode back after over three-month hiatus. But it is a Juliet episode, and as you know, I love Juliet. <laughs> I'm on a mission to make Megan love Juliet. I think maybe you might succeed this time around. I'll I'll be honest. Oh, okay. I'm I think I might be coming around to Juliet. Yeah, uh Elizabeth Mitchell, she's great in this episode. She's great in the series. Uh she is a complicated character and we start to see some layers of that complication in this episode. Yeah, I think maybe now that I'm older, I can appreciate the complicated layers. As opposed to when I was younger and I was just like, and also the other thing is that is that like, I know where this is going, ultimately. Uh, when I was younger, there was a lot of frustration about how is this, you know, how is this all going to end? Like, just tell me the, the answer to the mysteries already. Like, and so to have a character who was very withholding, um, both of how she was feeling and what her plans were and how she was being manipulated by other people, even though she's aware she's being manipulated. Like, there's a lot of layers there. Um, the first time through, I felt a lot of frustration with her. Now that I know where we're going, like, a lot of that frustration doesn't really exist and anymore because, like, the tension's gone. But that being said, I can appreciate the dramatic stakes behind what she's doing and the, the conflict that she's in. Um, so I don't know. Maybe it's just, you know, being older and knowing that life is complicated and hard. Or maybe it's just the fact that I know how this series ultimately pans out. So I don't know. I think it's a combination of things. I am at a different place in life than I was when this show first aired. And I'll be honest, who knows? Maybe it's actually Stockholm Syndrome. Maybe I'm falling in love with Lost because I'm just trapped with <laughs> it. I mean, it's it. something to the idea of... I feel like if I... Okay, so like I watched this last season of The Bachelor. Why did I do that, you may ask? <laughs> That's an excellent question. Why did you, Will? I did that because a friend of mine, I was hanging out with her, and then two of her <laughs> friends came over, and I'm like, I'll watch it with you. And I had them in hysterics with my snarky comments. Um, but here's the thing. By the end of it, I I mean, I kind of hated it, but I kind of loved involved. it. You got involved. It had some hold on. You get involved. And anything you get involved in, you do start to come to love in a way. Yeah. I, um, I get that. I get that. There are, there are definitely some shows that I've had zero interest or investment in, but because I was around people who watched them, I I would end up getting sucked into it a little bit. So, yeah, I, I know that feeling. So let's get into the episode here, and let's start. But, but oh, first, oh, oh, oh. we should do, <laughs> we have to do it every single episode. If for whatever reason this is your first episode of No Love Lost, just know that this is your official spoiler warning. Uh, if you've 
for some reason started listening to us before you listened to the end of the series, just know that we may in fact spoil the end of Lost for you. And I think we're going to be talking at least, at the very least, about future plot points considering a lot of things in this episode. So fair warning guys, this is your official spoiler warning for the entire series. You know, every every week I uh, I try to get in there before the spoiler <laughs> warning, but every week you get it. We and got this... you, man. You have to be courteous. <laughs> um. Well, episode starts with Juliet crying on a beach. Mm, must be the island. This walking in a hallway, she passes a. I guess someone who lives there and it's like Ethan what it is him going hello and I'm like ah it's William Maypother and <laughs> I know his name now <laughs> you're like we're on the island in a flashback and she walks into a room and there's a woman there the woman turns out to be her sister uh uh her name's Rachel she's played by um oh my gonna butcher her last name too uh, I believe in you. You can do I, it. I think it's Robert Weigert. Actually, that's not that hard to say. But Robert Weigert, who uh, would know as Calamity Jane. Oh, how fun! Um, and she's, you know, she's giving her, this woman, her sister, these injections, and they're kind of talking cryptically about what's going on with these injections, everything until. Bum bum bum. Uh, Juliet is like, oh, everywhere is the beach when you live in Miami. And look out the window. We're not on the island at all. We're in a flashback in Miami. Bienvenidos a Miami. <laughs> I I, th- I like that. Th- I like their attempt at the uh, misdirection. <laughs> yeah. Um. Like yeah. No. This one. I I. I buy it. Uh, the, like, I feel like I was surprised first time around. Um, and honestly, it's a pretty skyline. I didn't mind lingering on it. Again, maybe it's just because I missed the outside world. But I was like, oh, that's nice. <laughs> um, yeah, I, you want to go sit on a beach right around now. I do have to ask, did they ever at any point in this episode fully confirm what it is, what condition Rachel has. I'm assuming since she's bald, I'm assuming it's some form of cancer. But I don't know. Maybe leukemia? I don't know. They never confirm it. And there's actually a lot of misdirects in this flashback, and I don't know how I feel about all of them, because the injections are to help her get pregnant. It's not to deal with the sickness that she clearly has. This opens up a lot of questions for me. Yeah. Such as... So many. <laughs> and it's such as, who is the... Uh, I mean, we eventually get to the point where she is pregnant. So it's, who is the father? What is happening? Like, she's got cancer, but she's also trying to have a baby. And she's clearly trying to have a baby before she dies, possibly. But then does that mean... This baby won't have a mother? What is the game plan here? I feel like they're playing real fast and loose with this stuff. Yeah, I, I feel like Rachel 
is less a, I mean don't get me wrong she has some spunky character traits but I feel like she's less of a character and more of like a plot device of like we we need her to be like to be we need her to be cared for and we need her to have a fertility problem you know that Juliet can solve uh but like outside of those two things it's like zero thought was actually put into what sort of condition she actually has or if they did think it through then like there's no consideration about actually conveying any of that any of her sister's circumstances to the audience it's it's clearly meant to be irrelevant it's like here we're these are acting as things to set up why Juliet is here now and that's it they don't exist for any other reason outside of that again this is one of those things that I, I don't I'm not even though I've seen the series it was a long time ago and I forget certain things and we we, we talk about how we're trying to watch it semi and so I don't remember if Herster makes an appearance again but my guess is that she doesn't doesn't knowing that Juliet hasn't left the island and knowing that Juliet won't leave the island. <laughs> um, However, Will, Will, hear me out. So Juliet has a niece out there. Or or, or a nephew. I oh, We don't know. <laughs> she has a niece or a nephew out there somewhere. We could maybe bring that niece or nephew to the island for the pilot of our <laughs> spin-off series that we're going to be doing that I'm going to be writing the 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 pilot for or at least uh, a pitch for at some point. I don't know. There's a lot there's a lot we can do during quarantine I, time. I knew where you were going with that. <laughs> and we could bring that niece or nephew in for a class for the new class for the next generation like yeah lost the next generation we got sawyer's kid we got juliet's niece or nephew ah, it's gonna be good we got sun and Jin's kid we got hurley we got walt uh there there are lots of people we can bring in for this i'm down this could be fun uh, and we've got aaron aaron too yeah you, we can't forget about one of the og kids on this side <laughs> um, son, I'm sure somebody else could have. Yeah, you know what? Let's let's that should be a bonus episode where we where we lay <laughs> well, out the plot. We just of, hash out, yeah. <laughs> and if this quarantine goes long enough, you will get that bonus episode. You may even get a video of of us in our uh, apartments acting it out. <laughs> <laughs> well, what we should do, we should definitely sit down and write it. And then our bonus episode should, should be maybe maybe we shouldn't be workshopping this on the podcast itself, but I think our bonus episode should be us doing a live read of of the script. <laughs> of, yeah. of the script that we write for the pilot of this show. And we'll show. bring in, you know, like uh, some of our our favorite guests to to help us with it. Yeah, uh, we can hit up a couple people, <laughs> see if they're interested. But, back to the episode. Um, so yeah, right away we get that Juliet's taking care of someone, this is a flashback, it's her sister, and she's sick. Um, the next time we see Juliet, she is sneaking into the lab where she works. And all of all of a sudden, it feels like a very different show. Yeah, it's like, what is she up to? And also, by the way, while she's walking in, she takes a phone call. By the way, never take calls when you're sneaking. 
but no 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 that's like spy 101 but it's a reminder that she has an appointment with richard alpert the (laughs) next day now this when i heard this because i had forgotten that this was how we were introduced to the very important character of richard alpert one of the og others played by nestor carb uh who by the way never ages Never ages in life and on the show. And he always looks like he's wearing like, mascara, even though that's just his eyes. Yeah, he's kind of like Paul Rudd, where it's just like, have you aged at all in the last decade or so? And the answer is no. And on the show, you'll realize he hasn't aged in like 100 plus years. Now, I do, I do want to point out that I actually did not recognize the name when she's taking this phone call. So when we actually come face to face with him a little later, my jaw hit the floor, actually. Ah, And I actually audibly gasped. (laughs) Yeah. If I hadn't remembered the name, I wouldn't have. I would. Or if they hadn't said the name and he just showed up then. But of course, you know, the name Richard isn't isn't loaded at this point in the in the in the series. It's the first time we hear it. No, no. Um, so. Juliet is stealing some sort of drug, some sort of medication. This seems to be what she's using on her sister. Clearly, it's fertility drugs. Clearly, she is experimenting in a way she's not supposed to be. Yeah. Juliet, renegade scientist. And um, all of a sudden, some people start to come into the lab. And Juliet hides. But again, a rookie move. Your cell phone, your cell phone's on. (laughs) Pro tip for when you're spying, put your phone on silent. Like even having it on vibrates, not a great move. You gotta put that shit on silent. If I was spying, not even vibration. (laughs) No, no, you gotta turn, maybe honestly, maybe just turn it off. (laughs) Yeah, turn off your phone. Who you gotta call? You're spying on somebody. Yeah, take a no- take a hint from Jason Bourne. If you're gonna have a phone on you, make sure it's a burner phone. <laughs> so it turns out the the her phone rings and the person who comes over is both the head of this lab and Juliet's ex husband, Edmund. Yikes. And <laughs> a character actor that you have seen in a billion things. Just dreading having to pronounce his name, but I will. And I mean, he's great. He's in, you know, he's in everything. He was on TV shows like 24. He's been in movies like Three Billboards. He's been in everything, this guy. Uh, Zel... Oh, fuck You me. can do it. You can do it. You can do it. Zel... Zeljiko Ivantnik? Zeljiko Ivantnik. That's what I'm going with. That's what I'm Seems going legit. with <laughs> I, you know what? I appreciate the attempt. I appreciate the earnest effort. And if I had the name in front of me, I don't think I could have done much better. He is, he's somebody that he's always like kind of a welcomed character actor you see pop up. Like, oh yeah, that guy. And the reason why he's a that guy is because no one can say his name. <laughs> um, oh, it's the guy who did the thing. Yeah. Um, And he's there with this this woman. And they were like, I don't know getting intimate in the lab like what is i uh, weird weird like i 
I couldn't tell, but yeah, it seemed like he was trying to like impress her. Like, ooh, look at how advanced all of our drugs are. Well, it does turn <laughs> out that she is the new research assistant. We find out later. I mean, I I appreciate that. Basically, the the established character traits for this lady is that she's really passionate about science. You know, she's not just some floozy floozy. She's really passionate about science, and so the way to get into her pants is showing her all of your science stuff. Yeah, aisles of medication. She's like, "Ooh, tell me more." And it's it's an, an aw- what a weird place to it's a weird place to get intimate though. And you know, Edmund knows that Juliet's up to something, but he just kind of uh, like is like, "Oh, this is my ex-wife, Juliet." Yeah. That's got to be super awkward, too. Like, she's on the ground in the lab. Like, hey, this yeah. is fine. <laughs> but he knows she's up to something, but he lets it slide until the next day when she's called to his office and he says, I want in. He knows she's stealing from the lab and he's assumed that she's using her sister as a guinea pig. Now, again, at this point, we're still left in the dark of of what exactly... What's her condition? Um, why, why is Juliet in this particular dynamic with her ex-husband? Like, uh, I, I guess don't date at work or something? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we don't really know uh, their whole relationship here. But uh, I assume they either met through... Well, I mean... I don't know that maybe they could have they've met probably met in some research lab together fell in love over science because i'll tell you what she didn't fall in love with his charming personality no he's and a he jerk ba- <laughs> he basically has a plan he wants to collaborate with her why because he thinks that she might crack this fertility issue and then um he can uh, reap the glory with her. Yeah, I wonder if, like, there isn't some sort of proprietary contract deal in order. Like, uh, anything that she creates, whether she's on the clock or not, is technically the property of this lab. That's kind of what I'm wondering, because she seems to be under the impression that she can't leave, which is a really toxic situation to be in, when the person who's your boss, I mean, is your ex-husband. Yeah. She doesn't want to be at this place anymore. I think there's also a big part of her that, like, she needs to figure this out for her sister uh, as well. I mean, she's clearly very driven by that. Um, But also feels trapped by it because, like, she could conceivably do that kind of work anywhere but kind of feels like this is the only place where she can either get the results that she's looking for or it's the only place where she feels capable of getting the results that she's looking for because of their resources. Again, this is all kind of left vague and up in the air a little bit. So shortly after that, she has her meeting with Richard Alpert, the never-aging man. And... He is there representing, supposedly, a privately funded hospital uh, for a company, and lab, for a company outside of Portland. 
Um, and they have been scouting her. They want her. Uh, one thing that she they were impressed with is that she impregnated a male field mouse. Uh, that seems crazy. <laughs> it does. Why she could? Scientists are so mean to mice. I don't understand. I've never understood. But they didn't. The mouse didn't carry the term. And you know what? That's probably for the best for the mouse because. I don't know how that birth was going to go down. I, I mean, I guess if you've seen the movie uh, Junior, that would that would be my guess. <laughs> what did they What did they do? A C-section? They must have, right? Well, yeah. What did he do? He didn't crap the baby out in that movie. <laughs> I'm fairly certain they did a C-section. I have not seen that portion of the. I've never seen it from start to finish, but I I do recall being a kid and watching that scene. And if I recall, it was a. It was a C-section. <laughs> I saw that movie in the theater. Really? Yeah. Oscar <laughs> winner Emma Thompson is in that movie. She's she? the female lead. Wow. <laughs> I have so many questions. Yeah, I think... Yeah, no, it's... I I was a literal child the last time I, I saw any portion of that film. <laughs> um, But anyway, this is why they really... And Richard's really given her the sell. He's... Uh, really like he spends a lot of time pitching her these amenities that do not exist (laughs) because he's like we do these group retreats and these hikes and look at all these cool bike rides that you can go on because we're definitely near portland yes um yeah like what's the plan (laughs) for when the truth comes out Because she's going to figure it out when she's up on an island. Yeah, like, I'm wondering. (laughs) So at that point, why not just kidnap her? You you know what I mean? Because that's essentially what you're doing. But I guess he does own that they're not actually important yeah but but only after kind of implying that they have supernatural abilities and that they could offer if they want okay yeah well that's that's yeah okay (laughs) we 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 clearly want to get to the really what the meat of this this we do we do uh juliet goes on this little rant of Oh, I would love to, but I can't go anywhere. Uh, and she has a... Uh, you know, my ex-husband allow it. Yeah, which, again, question mark, question mark, question mark. Why should what you do be at all determined by your ex? She Get out, Juliet. <laughs> she also makes a statement that she's not a leader, which is juxtaposed throughout the episode with her showing some take charge maneuvers with the others which i also really love this sequence when she says i'm not a leader i'm a mess because that screen cap of her saying i'm a mess is something that goes around the internet quite a bit uh especially on uh the out of context lost twitter Anytime that gets retweeted, oh my gosh, it makes the rounds. And honestly, it's something that makes me look at Juliet and go, okay, maybe she is a relatable character because I feel that. <laughs> so she comes back and her <laughs> sister's like, how'd it go? And she goes, oh, I can't take this job. And the sister's like, I'm pregnant. <laughs> well, first she's like, you didn't turn it down because of me, did you? Yeah. Um, Because her sister's not, 
She knows what's up. Uh, and that's when she breaks the news and be like, hey, maybe you should call them back because I'm pregnant. Like, it's kind of like you were able to perform this miracle with me. So uh, take your talents and go. <laughs> yeah. Go follow your dreams. Um, <laughs> And she's. this is where she talks about how she always wanted a baby. And she was like, now you need to get healthy. Again, why was the plan not to get healthy first? Yeah, that's what I don't <laughs> understand. I realize I'm leaving out an, apartment, an important statement, and we both alluded to it, so that's probably why. In the meeting with Richard, she basically said the only way she'd be able to take this job is if her ex-husband got hit by a bus. And she said it very flippantly. Yeah, and then she was like, oh, I'm sorry, that's wildly inappropriate. Like, And yeah, that's when she, she breaks down a little bit. Um, but yeah, this maybe. Sorry, I'm coming back to the scene with her sister. Yes, maybe what her sister is suffering from is like a type of ovarian cancer. Maybe. I mean, that might that kind of fits with the theme. Well, yeah, you know, that would make sense. That I wish we knew. I wish too. <laughs> Again, I I wish this. I feel like she didn't even she, need to be deathly ill. Like she could have just been having trouble conceiving. Why? Now look, <laughs> for all I know, six seven episodes from now, there's a scene where Juliet's talking to Jack about her sister dying or having a baby or Entirely something, possible. and I just don't remember. Me neither, which is going to, if that ends up happening, if she she ends up passing away uh, and we don't know what, what happened to the baby, that might impact what our plans are for that pilot script. So we're going to have to pay close attention, <laughs> Well, Or it could just be a whole bunch of children that Juliet helped the parents conceive with her <laughs> fertility processes. <laughs> Um, so... So she wants to spread the good news. And by spread the good news, basically tell tell her uh, ex-husband that, that it worked. Her, her process worked. She's like, it worked. It's great. Uh, but she doesn't want to publish. And of course... She's like, I got what I wanted, so... Peace out? Well, you know, she doesn't want to... You know, that's... For her, that's not fair to the the her sister. She wants to keep this kind of uh, private. And they're having an argument about it. And as they do, Edmund steps into the street and he is hit by a bus. Like, final destination, both of you can just drop dead style. Uh. <laughs> yeah, and this is pretty great, I think. And it's a method of execution that Jacob will use more than once. Yes, it's true. <laughs> Jacob loves having people hit by buses. You know why? Because it's the best. Because it, it's like, oh, it's clearly an accident. <laughs> Proving once again that Jacob is terrible. <laughs> so we see Juliet and she is in the morgue crying because, you know, yeah, he was a douchey ex-husband, but she still must have had feelings for him. He's a human being. God damn it. And Yeah, he's, he's a pert, like... One, they had history together. Two, he's a person. Three, I feel like I would break down in tears if I saw a stranger step in front of a bus, you know? Exactly. So, she's in the morgue crying and filling out this paperwork. And all of a sudden, someone brings her a tissue. 
And who is it? It's Ethan. <laughs> and she kind of recognizes him. And then who shows up? Richard. And he gives this convoluted story. I saw what happened and I... They said you were at the morgue, and I wanted to come give my condolences. I'm so sorry. Who does like who <laughs> does that to someone they had one meeting with? Like I like like you know someone I love dies. Someone I then all of a sudden shows up. Someone I once had a job interview with shows up. <laughs> oh, I heard what happened to your friend. Like I'm really like, sorry. Like what? the guy who interviewed you like the day before. <laughs> yeah. Um. That would be bizarre. And Juliet is starting to realize something here she's like she said she wanted him hit by a bus in the meeting and then he was hit by a bus and richard's kind of like like look come work for us six months and she's like well i can't with my can i bring my sister he knows everything about the sister richard knows everything he says the sister can't come because it's too remote and Juliet's like huh and Richard's like "Eh, we're not in Portland title of the episode we may (laughs) we may have exaggerated that little bit of our our pitch which again makes me wonder why you spent so much time on the amenities (laughs) um yeah so this is how Juliet came to uh, be part of the others. And what we will come to learn is because she's a fertility doctor and we're going to get into more of the issues with women not being able to uh, uh, bring a child to term on the island uh, as we uh, go on with the season. But suffice to say, the woman who impregnates male field, field male is probably the perfect person for the job. Honestly, I don't like the pregnancy plot line, but I I love the idea of like, you know, again, the the forces on the the various people on the island scouting her for a specific reason because of her expertise. I like I like them scouting her and I like I I like the way this shook the, out. I really the, enjoyed it. Yeah, it's cuz it's also done with some fun. Like the bus thing, yeah, I know, man, but it's kind of fun. <laughs> you, you know. Uh, also, let me ask you this. Yeah. So much of the series is about daddy issues for <laughs> both the male and female characters. Do you think the pregnancy thing and this idea that obviously comes out of motherhood is the writers trying to balance that out in some way, trying to to find a way for the show that deals with the father issues so much to deal with mommy issues uh that in in terms of being able to counteract that criticism of the show i don't know i don't even know if it's to counteract the criticism because i don't know if it is a criticism i'm saying if do you think that somewhere along the line that just internally they thought that being yang kind of thing maybe but like i'll be honest if that was their intent like there are other ways of dealing with motherhood issues i don't know maybe by like exploring characters relationships with their mothers like 
what Anna Lucia's flashbacks would do. <laughs> I'm just saying there 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 are ways to do it without like fixating on this whole pregnancy thing. What's funny, get to the third to last episode of the series. It deals with a big mother issue. Yeah, maybe it shouldn't have. That. Well, you know. <laughs> well, like, I'm just in a couple of years saying. when we get there. Um, <laughs> I'm just saying that episode has been cited as potentially the worst episode of Lost. So not by Will Link. <laughs> um, but so- like I, I like I said, I I feel like. I, I don't know. I feel like inadvertently for a little while it boils down a couple characters um, to just their ability to get pregnant. And I don't re- I don't really care for it. I don't know. Maybe they were maybe again, maybe because they were fighting with the network at around this time. Maybe they were literally just like trying their damnedest grasping at straws to come up with ideas um but you know what the thing is there earlier on because of claire yeah and but like you could also just kind of look at that as like oh well the others also like to kidnap children so maybe they were just looking to steal her baby because the baby would have been a kid and they're like i don't know I don't know. There's so much about this series I can't make sense of. No, speaking of the others, let's get to the island. Now, normally what we do is, like, there are more than one storyline, then we break it down, uh, focus on this, focus on that. But Jack's story is so intertwined with Kate and Sawyer, I think we should just go through it chronologically. Uh, okay. I think that makes the most sense. Uh, sure. Because so many of... It's, it's th- intense, too. Yeah. This is this, an intense episode. All this stuff, I think, is actually really good. Uh, the cutting between Jack and Kate and Sawyer and and as they all try to kind of escape. Like, Jack's trying to assist them in this escape. So, where we last left off, Danny was going to kill some... Uh, Jack had took over the operating room. Basically was like, if I don't stitch this up, Ben is going to die. And, you know, it's made very clear early on, like, Juliet can't do it. Like, she's not, like, a surgeon. Um, and so the episode kind of doubles back a little bit to remind us of all that stuff. And um, Sawyer and Kate, they fight back and they make a run for it. Yeah. Way to go, guys. <laughs> and Sawyer uses Danny's uh, head with the uh, electrocute uh, fish biscuit, uh, <laughs> which is kind of great. I thought that was pretty, I thought that was pretty satisfying. That was a nice little button on that scene. <laughs> and it's a very Sawyer thing of like, I got to get a little bit of revenge in there. A little bit of humiliating this guy. I mean, there. this guy was going to execute him. And this is after week or day how long have they been captured (laughs) this is after an extended period of time in which they've been humiliating yeah it doesn't feel like as long as i would have thought it was like on rewatch it doesn't feel and we talked about this a little bit last week it doesn't feel as long as it did when i was watching back in the day yeah so juliet now we start to see some of this julie charge because juliet 
is calling Jack's wife in the operating room. She's like, Ooh. she's like, oh, no, go get them. Go round them up. Like, Jack, you don't know. We're not even on the same island. And you can sort of see um, the the wind taken out of his sails when he learns that. Because, yeah, that is definitely not a thing he realized. So he's like, oh, Oh. <laughs> She's like, we're two miles offshore. The, she tells the people, back if you have to kill him, kill him. Like, she's yeah. really laying it all out here. Well, I, of, I wanted to ask. Oh, go ahead, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, which causes Jack to then lay all of his cards on the table. Yeah. About what Juliet had asked him to do, which was to kill Ben. And poor Tom Friendly is caught in the middle of this. <laughs> now, that was what I was going to ask. Does she do that? Like, what? what is, um, what's going through Juliet's mind right now? Like, is, is she telling him that because she still, like, because, Je- like, it, did she say bring them back? Like, kill them if you have to? Because Jack didn't go along with her plan of like oh we'll be really we'll do this on the dl and we'll make it look like an accident is she doing that because she's like oh well great that plan didn't work so we have to make jack comply but the other thing is if brings them back in theory and this is what i kind of actually really like about because there's so many complicated things going on if she brings them back in theory... Then technically they could still enact the plan. Well, the plan would be enacted because Jack is claiming that he'll let men die on the operating table. So it's a win-win yeah. in a way for Juliet with that. Like, yeah, yeah, we'll bring him back. Which is, I think, why Jack has to call it out because it seems like she's calling his bluff, but really is hoping that Jack lets Ben die. It's... Like, but... Yeah, but if that's her aim, then she's leaving Jack out to, you know, she's she's hanging him out to dry, basically, because she'll get what she wants, and then they'll presumably get rid of Jack. Um, so, yeah, basically tattling on her is, is the only recourse for him at this point. And this has got Tom very confused. He doesn't know what to do. He decides to kick Juliet out. Um... But Juliet lets Tom know he'll never let a patient just die, which I think is a real true reading of Jack. Like, I think Jack, even though Ben is like a monster, I think he's conflicted about it. Do no harm. Do no harm. Jack is, uh, we've talked about it before. He's got a problem with having to fix everything. But at the end of the day, and especially when he's at his best, he is... Somebody who is trying his best to to live that philosophy of do no harm. I mean, there's even a moment where when Ben comes to where Jack, and it's a very telling moment where Jack offers to help with the pain. Yeah, yeah. No, I really liked that moment too. Like, he, he slips into doctor mode of like, oh, like, are you hurt? Are you in pain? I can, I can help. I can fix that. <laughs> so Sawyer and Kate, are running along but you know they finally get through the jungle and eight seas oh yeah we are in another island as if sawyer was lying to them she was like dang it i was just hoping you were dumb 
<laughs> and she radios Jack this. So they know they need a boat. So now this is like the new demand of Jack's. Like, they need a boat. But before we could get into the nitty gritty of this, the others attack. They are cornered, basically, Sawyer and Kate. Yeah. They're screwed. Danny's there. He's out for blood. But who shows up? With her Alex! slingshot, Alex. <laughs> Alex. Alex slows up with sh- slows up shows up with her slingshot. <laughs> she rolls up, looking super cool, wearing shades. Got her slingshot like Dennis the Menace, and she's like, <laughs> she doesn't have a car, but if she did, she'd be like, hop in. <laughs> or she would have done like the Terminator thing, like come with me if you want to live. <laughs> oh, absolutely. <laughs> uh, and she helps him get out of there, and she has like a hole that she's hides in. That, you know, is covered with kind of... It's a little like Anna Lucia's prison, that's, in a way. That's the thing. is like, oh, man, Alex and Anna would have gotten along so well. There are so many people who are so good at digging holes. If only they had had the chance to meet Anna. Oh, it makes my... It breaks my heart, Will. It breaks my heart. But it's also nice to know that, like... That love of hole digging lives on after Anna Lucia's gone. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) They're carrying on. (laughs) There will be more holes dug on this show that aren't just graves. Her spirit lives on through their digging of holes. So, meanwhile, back in the lab. Lab, not the lab rating room. (laughs) It's kind of a lab. It's kind of a lab. They really don't have... I mean, everything... Uh, in this, it's an aquarium. Yeah, everything is technically a lab in this area. Uh, ben comes to a little bit. And th- there's a good explanation for this because I'm like, why is he coming so convenient? But it does make sense. And they're like, hey, Jack's uh, not an anesthesiologist. And he's not. So, And that is such an awesome moment. When he starts talking, just like from an acting, acting and directing, this sequence is great because the look on both of their faces when Ben starts talking is so telling. Like, it's such a, like, the fact that he is now conscious and aware of what's happening to him is so freaking good. It's such good drama. Like, yeah. oh man. Now, I, I will say that again, like, t- the, this whole scenario, again, feels very different than what I would just typically expect from Lost. Like, if you had told me in season one, like, and and laid this episode out for me beat for beat, I would have been like, are you sure you're talking about the same show? Yeah. If you had told me in season two, after all the stuff with the hatch, I, I would have probably believed it. But, like... It's so weird that a situation that is so, that seems so out of place for Lost is still really, really good. Um, So, like, you know, maybe it's a a failing of the show that it's constantly reinventing itself every season. But I will say to its credit, the way it's reinvented itself here is really high stakes drama. And, like, I was on the edge of my seat, basically, this entire episode. Just... This episode also, it has a great and legitimate ticking clock. Like, there is a time limit to what they could do. And there's a great line that, like... So, Ben asks for Juliet to come back in. Oh, this is such a good line. (laughs) And he wants... He wants... um, He's basically... 
wants to talk to Juliet alone, and Jack doesn't like the idea, and Ben's like, like I've got twenty seven minutes to live, like three. Give me three minutes of that. I'm, I'm, I'm. I didn't quite write down the line, but that's basically the he's, gist of what he said. Yeah, he's like. Like, three minutes, considering I only have 27 left. Come on. And then, like, he kind of, like, lays into him a little bit, too. He's like, one gentleman to another. <laughs> Be a pal, basically. <laughs> and you gotta you gotta love that even as he's lying here dying, Ben is still being Ben. <laughs> he's still, like, Juliet was out there calling the shots, but... Now it's like now Ben is always even when he's under an anesthesia, he's calling the shots. So Jack leaves, and I love that we go outside to like the 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 operating theater area, like where you watch. Yeah. And it's Jack, and you know it's Jack and and Mister Friendly standing there watching Juliet and Ben talk. We don't hear what they're saying. We see their lips moving. And Jack is so trying to figure out what are they saying? What are they saying? Yeah, and, he's basically trying to read their lips. <laughs> and it's one of those things when you're really trying to pay attention to something, but somebody just keeps talking to you. And Mr. Friendly's trying to make conversation. And he's being friendly because he now gives a proper introduction. Like, I'm Tom, by the way. Like... Jack could give a shit. And then he's like, oh, yeah, these two, they got a history. And Juliet comes out. And basically, here is a deal. She will help his friends escape if he finishes the surgery. So, Juliet is now on a mission. Which you think it would be as easy as, like, you know, radioing danny and the everybody else and being like hey shut it down <laughs> leave them be <laughs> now you'd think it'd be that easy but it's not it's not well th- in fairness to danny his wife is dead and he his wife is people. dead he he got punched a bunch and then uh and then got like mildly electrocuted <laughs> um so meanwhile while this is happening Sawyer and Kate and Alex get out of their hole, and Alex is like, I got a boat. I could help you. But Sawyer knows something's up. Sawyer knows there's a catch because, you know, there always is. He can read people. always a catch. She wants help rescuing her boyfriend, Carl, who... (laughs) Why did you intentionally say it? (laughs) <laughs> in the walking like, dead way like rick grimes maybe <laughs> maybe i was gonna say i've heard you say carl that's not how you say carl, carl. <laughs> um <laughs> and sawyer knows uh carl because um he was the guy who was in kate's cage before kate yeah and he to carl's credit he tried to help sawyer he did so they know there's only one place being held but it's guarded by mac from it's always sunny in philadelphia i was gonna say it's baby mac he looks like such a little baby here (laughs) now here's what's so funny about this i remember when this episode aired and i was like it's mac from always sunny Popping up on Lost. That must have been a fun thing for him to do. He must be a fan. It's Always Sunny is still on the air. 
Yes, like it is. That show's still on the air, and it was on the air when this episode aired. It must have been in like its early season, maybe even second or third that season. That was going to be my question. I was like, when did It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia start? Because I, I was like, was he already in that show when this episode aired? Yes, because I know watched it. I was like, oh, there's Mac. So yeah, it must it must have been the second season at least of It's Always Sunny. Two thousand five. Two. Sorry, I'm googling it right now. It's two thousand five. Oh, when it started? Yeah. So it started one year after Lost. So yeah, it would make sense. Yeah, it, oh, it would. Dang, we're old, Will. Fifteen years. That show is old. That show is old. Oh, man. Although it, according to Google, it says thirteen seasons. It didn't end, did it? No. It okay. um, I, I might have been a year where they didn't do a season. I don't know. Maybe writer's strike year. <laughs> but um, he plays a guy named Aldo. Aldo. Even Sawyer bristles at the name. <laughs> and they walk. Alex knows to get in there. She's got to pretend she's got them as prisoners. So she walks them up to Aldo. And Aldo's like, I think I better call it in. And she does the whole thing like... Uh, you want to deal with my father? She plays the, she's the, the boss's daughter card, which Sawyer makes note of this. <laughs> uh, which later he said he did not see that coming. Um, yeah. And, you know, he starts to call it in, so they're forced to, you know, he. And here's the thing. Will you say, go ahead and call it in. And the second he moves for it, that's when you do the judo chop. Yeah, they do it a second too late here. But Sawyer. Sawyer uh, does the old Wookiee trick where he's not really tough. <laughs> um, he straight up makes that Star Wars reference. I appreciate it. And they want to know where Carl is. And um, she's like, we don't have time for this. Grabs the gun from Sawyer, uh, points at the at the guy's knees, cocks the gun. And that's when he goes, OK, 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 OK. <laughs> she's serious. He's like, room 23. And... You know, then they just knock him out with the butt of the gun. And two, 23 is in the sequence of uh, numbers, right? It's one of the numbers, yeah. Because I was thinking, I was like, the bunny had the number eight, and yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he's in the, the room num- 23. Okay. The numbers are popping up. To what end? No end. <laughs> I mean, look. But it's fun, the numbers, to, it's the fun number, to look out for yeah, them. The numbers represent the characters we come to realize. But at this point, we don't know that. And at this point, does that mean they would I be? I think the writers didn't know that yeah. either. <laughs> um, but it is fun. To, you know, um, but, I think but it's... what's more important than the numbers is the sense of patterns that we see. That there are patterns, patterns that control everything. And we're seeing this. Yeah, I think that's fair. Which, if, if like, patterns controlling things is a way you want to look at what's happening, the fact that there's somebody on this island who can seemingly manipulate patterns, like, you know, maybe move some things around, and then, boom, a dude gets tagged by a bus. Exactly. You know, it's, it's something. Oh, I should have looked at that bus. <laughs> <laughs> Did anyone get the number of that bus that hit that man? <laughs> um so you know there is a great moment where 
Kate basically says she would have shot him in the knee. Yeah, he's like, wow, like, what a great bluff. And she's like, I wasn't bluffing. And this is something I appreciate, too. Just, again, because this whole season has been really bad about allowing Kate to do things. It was really cool to see her be like, yeah, no, I'm not fucking around. Um, so... They get to room 23, and it is trippy. Carl has these glasses on. It feels like they're doing, like, a clockwork orange kind of thing. It felt very clockwork orange, and in hindsight, I'm looking at it, and I was like, hey, he looks like, um, if you've ever watched Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., he looks like um, like Hydra is, like, brainwashing this guy so that he will comply. (laughs) Yeah, you're absolutely right. (laughs) You're like... Season one, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Um, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., final season, May 27th. Yeah. Aw. Aw, my boys. I'm so proud. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's the that's the little show that could, and I'm so proud of them. But anyway, um, not not that, that aside, I hated this moment. Like, talking about, like, these, like, the, the whole episode is really high stakes drama and it's really good and really engaging. And this moment, it like just slams the brakes on all of that. I, see, I don't mind the moment. I think my issue with the moment, like I remember seeing this and being like, what? And this is where I'm going to do my rare thing where I go against Lost a little bit. And you um, agree with me? <laughs> not, like I said, when I watched this episode, I said, this is really cool what's happened when this trippy room carl's being not hypnotized but he's being conditioned in some way um and there are these sayings that are coming up on the screen on these images things like everything changes and we see people from the photos from people from the early days of the Dharma initiative there's even we we are the cause of our own suffering i think it said at one point there's one about jacob yeah it's god loves you in the way that he loved jacob that's not exactly it but that's that's the long and short of it yes and sawyer's even getting mesmerized with it and i remember saying what are the others doing what are they doing to people what is this crazy conditioning to what end is it it's a cult (laughs) and yeah i mean it's just that it's a weird part of this cult of the others that there are a lot of admittedly loose threads to that we never necessarily all tie together and carl kind of becomes a nothing character he hangs around for another season, basically. Yeah. And nothing much happens with him. And then, if I recall, gets unceremoniously axed, I think, right? Yes, in season four. Um, But yeah, this, this to me, it feels like it's the remnant of a brainstorming session of, like, weird things that the others could be doing. Like, um... Like, I feel like there was a writer's session where it's like, they like they were mapping out all the weird stuff that the others do. The the performative nature um, of their, of pretending like they do in the in uh, season two. 
Um, the the fact that they're doing all these fertility experiments, the the fact that they have laboratories set up in an old aquarium, that they're doing mind control experiments on people. I don't know. What about Jacob says that he's all he's encouraging mind experiments on people? Um, well, I think I think a lot of what the others are doing have lost their way from what Jacob intended i would now ben wanting to conduct mind control experiments on people is something i absolutely buy but and that's the thing i mean is this something that other people have gone through is this a punishment just for carl like ben really doesn't want alex with carl yeah i think later on he says that he just was afraid that she was gonna get pregnant and that he overreacted but like you don't brainwash somebody as an overreaction <laughs> yeah yeah the simple solution bring condoms to the island bring <laughs> intradil to the island not <laughs> there you have a fertility expert like yeah just I, I, she you also have access to the mainland just just get the pill yeah <laughs> Or, like, there are lots of different birth control methods you could use. It's that simple. <laughs> so they get Carl, they get the hell out of there. Yeah, I'm and... just saying it feels like the remnant of a brainstorming session. That's all I'm trying to get at. Yeah, I see that. Um, They get out. They of get there. out, yeah. <laughs> um, Meanwhile, now Juliet has come to Danny and been like, hey... Ben's gonna let them go. We gotta let them go. Otherwise, Ben will die. And he wants them. And Danny says Ben would rather die than let them go. Danny don't know what Ben wants. <laughs> I was gonna say, I'm fairly certain Ben would prefer to live and then enact his revenge later on. That's That seems to me more like a Ben... <laughs> sort of move so danny's out for blood and julia kind of knows it julia kind of knows like this is a problem uh meanwhile speaking of blood tom friendly does not like blood <laughs> which is like the exact opposite sort of personality and temperament that we would expect based on his initial introduction right yeah <laughs> Tom, I, Tom becomes like kind of the gentle giant in a way. You know, he's like this big burly guy who kind of just becomes... I'm not such a bad guy. I'm everybody's friend. <laughs> so Tom is assisting Jack now. And Jack asks like, hey, why didn't you bring Ben to a facility for this? And Tom says something about since the sky turned purple, they get cut off because Jack nicks an artery. So what's the timetable here? Didn't Ben already know he was sick before the sky turned purple? Are we to believe this has something to do with the first time Desmond let the, the numbers go too far? No, because the sky turned purple because he turned the failsafe. I don't know. I don't know what the timetable is, but I feel like Ben already knew he was sick. Yes. Then. So why didn't you immediately get him to a facility? That's what we call a plot hole. Mm, I don't. Unless, unless they explain it I later. don't. Li no, I don't um, like to admit a could... plot hole on this show, you know, but I, the timetable seemed 
off. Dubious at, at dubious at best. I mean, Jack's now, the I'm, best. I'm with you. Jack's the best in the business. Is he? I don't know. I just made that up. Is he the best? Also, He's good. Also, it's <laughs> it's also a weird plan to have the person who, like, you know, he, he learns from Ethan that, you know, there's a spinal surgeon or whatever. And then it's weird to to plan that, like, the person who's in charge of everything and also the person in need of surgery is the one to go and insert himself into into that hostage sort of situation. Unless that was part of his plan to ultimately break Jack of, like, I'll do the groundwork of establishing an emotional connection (laughs) by pretending to be Henry first. I don't know. That seems like a really long and convoluted way to come to the same conclusion. Like, I feel like he would have had much better success if he had just, like, come over and been like, hi, we're the others. Uh, We mean you no harm. You, you're a spinal surgeon. I need a surgeon because I've got cancer on my spine. Please, please help me. If there's anything you can do to help me, please, please. Also, we have houses you can live in and have some of our food. (laughs) like this would have like I know that this is all stuff that they had to come up with after the fact because Michael Emerson was not supposed to stick around yeah but because of that like you really do start to like unravel the thread fairly quickly like I like the idea of him requiring Jack and like needing needing him for this reason but yeah you're right when you don't when you don't like you know, iron out the timeline a little bit. It is, it shows just how convoluted it is. So Jack nicks an artery on Ben, this time by accident. And it's causing, <laughs> whoops, it's causing a problem. <laughs> um, And he's working on repairing that. And he's like, I need your help, Tom. And Tom's like, <laughs> why? No. Meanwhile, Sawyer, Kate, Carl and um <laughs> I appreciate your commitment to the bed. And um uh Alex head to the boat. And they're getting they're getting I'll say it normal. Carl on the car. <laughs> oh, I don't normal anymore. I ruined it for me. The, Finish it. <laughs> they're getting his boyfriend on the boat. <laughs> and he's like Danny. And they're like, "Huh?" But it's and Sawyer's co- like, no, Sawyer. That <laughs> was so good. There's Danny, gun out, gonna shoot Sawyer, but all of a sudden, bam, bam. Who shoots Danny? Juliet. Yeah, I, I bet this was not how she was expecting to be spending today. <laughs> no, and this is great for Juliet. But... We'll deal with that in a future episode. What Juliet then says is, because she's going on orders from Ben, and she's like, to let them go. And she's like, go. Not you, Alex. You have to stay. And Alex basically stay. And it's kind of a sweet scene with her and Carl, where uh, it's like, you, like, Carl has to go, but Alex is going to stay to save Carl, basically. Yeah. Um... Kate has to radio Jack to say that they're safe. And she radios him that gets letting them go. Um, and Jack's like, you gotta tell me that story 
on the beach. And Kate tells Jack the story with the counting to five when he's taking the operating room. And this is, I think, a nice bit of symmetry juxtaposed with him fixing Ben. Yeah. And yeah. then when he's done, he says, promise you won't come back. And Kate doesn't promise, but Jack turns off the radio. Yeah. <laughs> I I liked I liked the moment, but like, um, I don't know, Jack, you're I, I really love Jack in these last couple episodes, but that like don't come back for me is so silly. <laughs> but, but so melodramatic. <laughs> but here's the thing, he knows she will. And he knows yeah. it's gonna not go well. So Yeah, I get it. I, I, but like I get it's it. like this this is just like all it feels it feels very melodrama-y, and it feels like it's tied into the love triangle stuff, which, as you know, I'm not a big fan of. Yeah, I guess... Yeah, I guess it's tied into the love triangle. This one doesn't bother me, though. Um, and then they sail off. Yep, back home. <laughs> so, Jack has removed the tumor. He's sitting there talking to Juliet, and he's like, What now? And back to my cell. And... She's like, well, they got to work that out. And then he's like, what did Ben say? And Jack really pushes. He wants to know what Ben said to her, made her, because she wanted Ben dead. Yeah, and she she did a 180. And now we kind of also find out why she might have wanted Ben dead. And Juliet says that, uh, you know, she'd been on this island for over three years. She gives Zach the amount of days. And um, she said if they let him live, he'd let her go home. So that's when we realized that, yeah, they might as well kidnapped her from uh, <laughs> because she's trapped there like everybody else. They could have kidnapped her and they could, like Ben could have gone to the mainland to get a you pr- I don't know maybe maybe I don't know because I'm like is it because he doesn't have health insurance was that what this was about is it he's like uh yeah ever we haven't been able to get in contact with Ben's insurance company since the the sky turned purple so there's no way we can get him a surgery that covered that's covered by his health insurance so that's why we have to do this weird back alley spinal surgery. Um, that'd be great. If he, he, there's a long sequence where he's on the phone with his insurance provider. The <laughs> Dharma Initiative insurance provider. Um, you know, as much as I as much as I dislike the final season of this show, I do love just conceptually, I love when bad guys like especially like supervillains or like like you know things like that. I love when they're put into like domestic situations, often in like AU's or or comics and things like that. Uh, so I loved putting Ben in a very domestic situation for that one episode, and I love the idea of megalomaniacal Ben having to sit on the phone with his insurance company. <laughs> it's just yeah, yeah. Villains being having to deal with real world problems is a thing that makes me very happy. <laughs> um, so that's the episode. Uh, I think it's a pretty exciting one. It's a pretty like 
Well, if we if if we want to get into our Jacob's Man in Black, maybe I'll just start because I realized I was about to just say it anyway. Um, <laughs> yeah, go for it. I this think, episode was a banger. Yeah, I it. think my Jacob really is the ticking clock element. That this is an episode that just it's constant movement, and I think a lot of that is because we're in a in a in a legitimately good and inventive ticking situation with Jack having to stop the bleeding on yeah no it's awesome um yeah no there are there this is an episode filled with fantastic moments uh the setup's really good you really feel the momentum going through everything i'm going to just for the because pacing i think is a really good um like i was describing this the 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 episode to my roommate and i was like doesn't that sound like it would be more like an episode of 24 than it would be an episode of lost and yeah it really does kind of feel that way but since you went ahead and said pacing i'm gonna go ahead and give it to the moment where um ben wakes up like and the the interaction between him and jack while he's conscious um because it's it that's some good shit <laughs> and that's a good that's what you talk about good villain moments like that's a good villain moment like oh this guy's been listening this guy we're all like intimidated by even through his surgery he knows what's going on somehow yeah it's i mean literally this is the most vulnerable position he could be in and yet it still feels like he his presence is still intimidating and it still feels like he has such immense power even when he's powerless it's really cool and like again michael emerson's performance is top notch too you know just having to act like it's still Ben, even though he's like, un, you know, even though he's been drugged and he's face down on an operating table. Ben at half speed is still intimidating. Yeah. Oh, he's still scary. Just when he says one gentleman to another, I was like, ah, <laughs> he's so good. Uh, my man in black is going to be the kind of, and I can't remember how many answers we get to this, but. I do think they play a little fast and loose with what the hell's going on with Juliet's sister to the point where rather than feeling the emotions, you're more trying to figure it out. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, yeah, no, because, yeah, even us just a little bit ago, we were like, well, what disease does she have? And why was she more focused on getting pregnant? Like, we, there were a lot of questions there. Like you said, if there was something about ovarian cancer, which makes sense, I think you're probably right, would, like, I don't know, I could get caught up in motions of it more than the mystery. It doesn't have to be a mystery. Like, it's one of those things where if it was in another show, I would just assume it was ovarian cancer. But because it's Lost, and because Lost is so withholding of information and often makes mountains out of molehills um, when it comes to mysteries, um, like, yeah, it, it feels like they're intentionally leaving it open so that they can come back to it like as the answer to a mystery and it's like no well no you could have just told us what it was like there there wasn't any need to make it a mystery what's your so i'm right there with you is that is that yours then or do you have a no mine is the the whole deal with carl room 23 like oh yes I like I think it's fine in a clockwork orange. I think it's great in Agents of Shield. And just speaking very broadly, I'm a big fan of mind control tropes. 
it just feels so out of place here and I don't think it goes anywhere. Like, I would have loved a subplot in this series of Ben straight up brainwashing people. Like, I think that would have been really cool to explore. But because it's just another thing introduced about the others that ultimately gets discarded and forgotten about, like, it's just, it's weird. It comes out of nowhere and ultimately doesn't amount to anything. Season three does feel like a season. And again, a lot of this is network. It's a workshop season. It, well, it does feel like they're trying out a lot of other stuff and seeing what sticks. And some of it sticks and some of it doesn't. And all of it is like mysterious in a fun way where it could have worked if they kept going with it. But then because they wanted to go other ways, they went other ways um it's like because they wanted to go in every direction like ultimately you can't do that with a show you have to pick a lane (laughs) and this is an instance in which i'm like pick a lane lost (laughs) megan where can the people find you you guys can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at the Manguin. That's T-H-E-M-E-N-G-U-I-N. I also have a YouTube channel called Silver Screams, and I am a member of the podcast team, Rooster Team Radio. So go and check those out. And you can follow me on Twitter at the Real Will Link. Um, stuck in quarantine, looking for something to read. Crazy about Kurt, my novel. You can buy it on Amazon.com. And you can follow us at No Love Lost Pod on Twitter. So, until next time, see you in another life, brother. Hey there, everybody. I'm Will Link of No Love Lost. With me, as always, Megan Salinas. Hey, everybody. And we're here to talk to you about the podcast Jukebox a DIY podcast network. Uh, Yeah, the podcast Jukebox Network has been super supportive of us as we venture back to the island. Uh, And so we just wanted to take a minute to thank uh, them and to let you guys know that you guys should be supporting the other podcast put on by this fantastic network. If you are enjoying No Love Lost, definitely give a listen to many of the other podcasts many of which are far less vanilla than we are. Uh, 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 Off the Cuffs, which is kind of the flagship show of the network. It is the BDSM kink podcast that kind of launched this whole network uh, off. You've got the Goth Librarian podcast. You have Being There podcast, a great storytelling podcast. You have The Queers Next Door, also on the network. Uh, Proud to be Kinky. Uh, Drinks with God, and a little podcast that's close to my heart, Megan. What is that one called? Will Sean Podcast? Yeah. Will Mm -hmm. he? I don't know. Spoiler alert, uh, not as frequently as usual. (laughs) But you should definitely subscribe to all these shows, rate them, listen to them on iTunes. Yeah, definitely. Uh, These are all fantastic storytellers. It's so important to be sex positive. So go support these other podcasts. And uh, yeah, if you like us, you might like them. Who knows? Yeah. (laughs) It makes sense. We're on the same network. (laughs) So yes, rate and subscribe to all these terrific shows. And don't forget to rate them all five stars. And also rate us five stars. Yeah, while you're at it, you're listening to us. Might as well give us a rating. (laughs) You're already there. Yeah. (laughs) Thanks, guys.